friends, welcome to episode 192 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. Happy New Year, Rob. Happy New Year to you, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, starting off uh, 2023, are we... Mm? I'm just adjusting things from a distance to make sure we don't have a problem. Oh, yep, yep. Had a brief little audio hiccup here, so... We're... Yeah, we're trying to figure out what's going on with this, but I apologize if you guys hear it heard some extra music that got tossed in or not at all. <laughs> so I will, I will make things work by the end of this, I promise. 192 so. episodes and... Uh... <sighs> Every so and then, these little these little technical hiccups still. I'll rear take their ugly one heads. engineering problem a year. I'm fine with that. Hey, no, no, no. I'm good with it. I'm Just good get, with it. Get yeah. it out of the way, kind of a thing. So right on, yeah, right it on. was a it was a good end of the year. It's a weird, wet, cold beginning of the year. It's not even cold though. It's like fifty. It's it, it, we're having a, a weird warm spell. I like it's all across Europe too. I guess like yeah, it's almost like I don't know. The Earth is warming up in the winter time or something. You know. Yeah, but you know, some point last year, some senator made a snowball and showed it off in Congress, so he can. Yeah, because uh, those guys are great at science and that things. Means, that means that means climate change isn't real. So yeah, yeah. Anyways, anyway, uh, we hope everyone <laughs> is staying safe and dry and warm in this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your home, your your, your quote unquote home state of of ownership got so much snow, though. I heard over Bombarded, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, um, like classic amounts of snow. Yeah, so. uh, born born and raised, or well, not really raised, but uh, Buffalo, New York, was uh, my place of birth. So yeah. Uh, had a lot of family back there, and uh, yeah, apparently they got they got d- demolished with snow, which is usually not a huge problem for them. Like, I mean, it's it's such a frequent occurrence for them. You know, you'll like you'll hear the news reports over in Buffalo local, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're overnight. We're gonna get you know probably twelve to eighteen inches, whatever. Like, no problem. You know, the plows will be out, things will be functional. You know, for by by tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but man, no, they got they got super hit. So. Yeah, uh, heart, hearts, hearts, thoughts, and minds go out to uh, you know everybody there in uh, hearts, in minds, shovels, shovels. <laughs> but I'm I, I'm interested to see how quickly it dissipated for them. So, oh, I'm sorry. Who was ringing? Some it... somebody's ringing here. It's not me. Oh, okay. Uh, that might have been the engineer's call coming in to to help us out here. So. All right. So that being said, uh, it is the first of the month, and uh, by popular demand, we were told to continue doing educational seminars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so last year, uh, every every first uh, first Wednesday of the month, we were doing our one on one series um, to, aimed at uh, beginning storytellers. Um, trying to help with a lot of the, the, the sort of growing pains of getting yeah. into storytelling. You know, how do you come up with a concept for a game? What do, how do you know what game system to pick? Uh, you know, how do you run plots? Mm-hmm. How do you invent a big bad evil guy and, you know, put that in there? How do you come up with NPCs? How do you world build? Yeah, if you want to know that stuff, go back and rewatch all, listen to all of last year's 101s every month. Uh, if you go to our website, you can actually put into the search storytelling 101 and it'll bring up a nice long list of all of them yeah 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 um so this year uh we decided to kind of like bump that up a little bit and we're going to be doing a 202 series yep um and so the first one first ones you have every month is going to be one of our 202s and 202s are going to kind of be designed to either take a subject that we 101 last year and deep dive it a little more mm-hmm. or go a little deeper into a concept that's maybe a little off the beaten path yeah. And I think that's what tonight's show is. Yeah. When you first brought up the idea for this, I, it made sense to me, but I was like, do we have a full show out of this? And you had opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think there's there, there's a lot to look at here. Um, the, the So the, the, the topic we're going to be kind of deep diving into tonight is the idea of liminal spaces. Um now, I think in popular culture, liminal uh, the, the word liminal space has kind of um, taken on a meaning of its own. Um, I remember when we uh, first dropped the idea on the Discord, one of our Discord users was like, you mean like the back rooms? Mm-hmm. And the back rooms is kind of a community writing project, very much like the SCP is. Yes. Um, where it's not, it's not really, it's a decentralized writing project. Um, right. And there's a series of like videos that people have made and stuff like that, mm-hmm. all dedicated to these these back rooms, which are supposed to be these like weird, almost horror esque liminal spaces that are like outside of reality and and very you know uh, odd 
and almost spooky, but just kind of off-putting in this in this sort of way. Um, and that's not what we're going to be talking about tonight. So if you came mm-hmm. here seeing the title of this, Liminal Spaces, and thinking we're talking about the back rooms, we are not. I'm sorry to disappoint. Yes. However, what we are talking about is what a literal liminal space is. Mm-hmm. That in-between space that is either physical, chronological, or social. Yeah, uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, anything that is technically a transitional period or transitional something between two other concrete things mm-hmm. um, is, a, is, is, a, is liminal, mm-hmm. in a way. So, like, a hallway, for instance is a probably your, your your best example of a liminal space. Um, it is a space between two rooms. Mm-hmm. You can't really have a hallway by itself because a hallway is defined as a space that connects two rooms. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really have a purpose in and of itself other than to connect those two rooms. Yeah, and if it doesn't have two rooms, it's a room. Yeah. It's just an oddly shaped room. Um, or so, closet, so. Exactly. Uh, like... Um, travel time, uh, which is going to be very, you know, very pertinent to, to our discussion tonight. Travel time is a liminal space. It's a place between two destinations. And if you don't have a place of departure and you don't have a destination, then you're just moving, you know, travel in and of itself is a liminal space. Transitioning from one job to another. Yeah. You don't have employment at your ass place. You haven't started employment at the new place. Yeah. Uh, elevator would, I think, Knox, be considered a... A, a liminal space. It is in between floors. Yeah. Elevators, vestibules. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think those are... Uh, uh, yeah. Good transitional areas. Yep. Totally, yeah, exactly. Totally. Exactly. Um, so what, is, what does any of this have to do with tabletop RPGs? I mean, it sounds very cool conceptually, but why, why are we talking about this tonight, and why are we writing an entire 202 about it? Well, because there are a lot of spaces in between um, in games. Uh, we, we have... A series of adventures. We have, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, a act one, an act two, or even just a spot between scenes. You know, whether it is a, uh, whether it is moving from one town to another, whether it's even just moving from a conversation at the pub and getting, you know, what the quest is, and going to the dungeon that you mm-hmm. have to go take care of. That is liminal space. It is a transitional space. And understanding how to link those spaces together in a meaningful way is one thing, but also just understanding what you can do in that space and what you don't have to do in that space. Um, And I think that's... The thing is, is people don't... like. I guess for me, when I first started out, I didn't think liminal space was a thing, and I had to fill every gap. Yeah. Like, when I first started out, it was like, in an adventure, you go room to room to room to room, and everyone explains every minute of every second of every moment that they're out there. Yeah. You know, round, you know, just like you're not in combat, but still technically doing rounds. That is exhausting as hell. It really is. And it makes your plots drag all to hell, too, because honestly, 90% of what you do in a day is not at all interesting. No. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of what our games um, actually look like, uh, and I think what a lot of like uh, um, uh, uh, storytelling systems have uh, encouraged us to, to design our, our, our games like, is a set of encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, uh, like, Savage Worlds is really big about this. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of different encounter types that they teach you how to build uh, in, in just the main Savage Worlds book. Um and so, you know, what do you do with the spaces where you string those things together? You yeah. know, it's 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 essentially jumping from one encounter to the next to the next to the next. And you know, you like watch movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Movies do this all the time where they just like, oh, we have to go there. And literally they jump cut and boom, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Because nobody wants to watch 45 minutes of people just staring at the road. Yeah. In 300 meters turn left exactly exactly unless the movie is about the journey and even then it's a montage yeah yeah nobody wants to see six weeks of training minute by minute but they'll take you know two minutes of boxing three minutes of jogging five minutes of them sweating and then getting better at the jogging and the boxing till eventually they 
become this glistening fighter. Yeah. Like, that's that's a liminal space that sits between the tra- between I am getting ready for a fight and here is the fight. Yeah. There's your you know? eight weeks of training. If we showed it, it's done. Let's mm-hmm. move on. You exactly. Because the fight is what you're really focusing on. Exactly. Um and so, you know, in our in our in our games we have all these liminal spaces. We've got the travel, we've mm-hmm. got just downtime, you know. Yeah. I mean you look at like the adventuring, you know, the quote unquote adventuring day that D and D, you know, throws yeah. out there. Like, if you adventured seven days a week, you hit level twenty. Uh, starting at first level, you're supposed to hit level twenty in like two months or something like that. Right. You know, it's like Farmer Joe, and you know, <laughs> episode one is like, oh no, a, a whole zombie! Please don't kill me! And then they're like, you know, two weeks later, they're like, let's go punch God. Yeah. They're, um, they're ripped and and knocking out the uh, king's teeth. You know. You know, and I don't, I don't think, I, I, I think, you know, you'd even, I, I'm pretty sure I read like, in, even in the DM's guide, uh, they're like, yeah, it's not really designed to be constant two months of 24-7 adventuring, you know, like, take some time, even if it's months, even if it's literally years between adventures, you know, Mm -hmm. take some time between them, and in that time, you've got downtime. Mm -hmm. What are you doing during that time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Shopping. Shopping is a pretty common liminal space. It's the short end of the stick of, of liminal space and any yeah. amount of time that it takes, but it's yeah. Arguably the most interactive of the liminal spaces. Oh, it can but, be, I would say. But I dare say most of us don't think of shopping as an encounter. You no, know? And, and and honestly shouldn't. It's it's It can be painful. Yeah, it's not really a driving part of our stories, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, rests. Mm-hmm. Rests are probably the most common. I mean, like, especially, you know, Dungeons and Dragons are our, our most common flagship uh, property here. Um, have long and short rests built into their into their things, where literally the characters are sitting around doing nothing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cooling their heels, you know. Yep. Um, but you know, even outside of Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, everybody's got to stop for the night or yeah. day or whatever. You know, everybody's got to rest at some point. And when you're just kind of sitting around the campfire or sitting around the you know club penumbra at the end of the shadow run mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Uh, or sitting around the spaceport bar mm-hmm. going woo what a what a I battle a... with those space pirates that was yeah i have a few space bucks to spend beyond the gas and food you know what yeah. do I, how am i going to handle this you know i mean you and i love battle tech like yeah. i mean what does it take like usually sometimes months to get to your next destination yeah. you know because Faster than light travel, but you've got to you've got to rest for like a week at a time, recharging the batteries on the uh, on the the FTL drives. Yep, yep, yeah, and doing repairs, <clears throat> refits, things like that. Yeah, like that's that's just downtime. That's liminal space. That's downtime all there mm-hmm. for you. You know, mm-hmm. um, so ultimately, when it comes down to it, like you've got kind of two ways in your games that you can handle liminal spaces like this. Yeah. Um. And that's essentially, do you play them or do you skip them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that it is literally just that. It's just that kind of simple. It, it, I mean, people are like, well, you have to run them or you have you should always skip them, you know. But I, I again, I, I feel that it's there's a lot to be done with the table in in discussing this sure. on what they feel is right. So you have to answer the question for you and your group. Yeah. And sometimes that changes throughout the game. Like, you may set up in Session Zero that you're like, hey, guys, you know, shopping and downtime is going to be done in a very short period so that we can stick with the story and get through the adventure. So, you know, uh, don't get too attached to, you know, your 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 local merchants and things like that. Yeah, sure, you know, sure. If there's a scene, those NPCs are scene NPCs, but, like, unless you ask specifically to go find someone and have a conversation, we're just going to slide through that. And then three adventures in, after going to the same street dock nine times, they're like, can we get his name and, like, do something nice for him? And suddenly it becomes extra scenes that now extend out because your players are invested. So it's really... That is something that can be dependent on the table and the campaign oh, yeah, and absolutely. how it progresses. And I'm not like, I don't even know that it needs to be as formal as that. You know, yeah. like, I, I personally like I'm I, I like kind of a middle ground. I like to do slice of life stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to overdevelop my NPCs and make, you know, make it really feel like you guys are in a living, breathing world. I, I feel like I excel at that as a storyteller and I feel like everybody enjoys those aspects of my game. So so I lean into them, you know. Um, and I, and I enjoy putting those sorts of things in my game, but at the same time though, I will still vibe check the car, the, the, uh, the, the table and kind of go like, all right, um, 
I mean, you get this news that there's a party going on tonight. Does anybody need to roleplay the afternoon, or should we just jump to the party? No, I think we can just jump to the party. Anybody? Uh, party, party? Yeah, let's just jump to the party. Cool. Boom. Yeah. That's like five hours I just blew past by saying, what's the vibe at the table, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, there there have been other times where we've gone whole stretches where we roleplay every, you know, every moment of the day, basically. Yeah. Um doing little little skips for little bits of travel here and there but you know right. it's just like i'm gonna go to the store okay here's what happens at the store right now we're gonna go to the pub okay here's what happens at the pub you know right and that becomes part of the story then yeah. because those events become in in their own rights kind of b plots and and character story building moments yeah absolutely absolutely so okay so to to, to hit the question let's start with skip yeah, I think that's the 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 easy. You keep it short, you know the the end button. We're just moving on. We're hitting the page down. <laughs> right, you pre- know? press A to skip cutscene. Exactly. You know. Um. So was it, it F for respects? Yeah, press F to pay respects. Uh. So there, there's there's a lot of believe it or not, there's a couple different ways you can skip through things. Agree. Um. The first one is you know obviously the quickest, the easiest, uh, the empty space. Mm-hmm. We just call you know the, the hand wave. You just, you, you hand wave it, time passes, it's empty, yeah. nothing happens, next encounter. Um, kind of like I was just saying, like, do we need to role play the afternoon or do we go straight to the party? We go straight to the party. Cool. It's party time. Yep. Um, I think the only thing with this one that hits in my head is, uh, I think it's great. It goes right on and in all honesty, saves the, the, the narrator or storyteller a huge amount of frustration. Yeah. But at the same time, you can always run into the issue where you had one of the players who wanted to prep something Mm -hmm. or or, or wants to get into detail with something with someone beforehand. And now you've cut that role play or that agency off a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm usually hesitant to do the empty space or the hand wave Mm -hmm. um, for exactly that reason, because I almost always have at least one player at my table go, wait, 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 I wanted to. Yeah. You know, and and so then you've got to kind of like go roll it back. All right, hold on. Okay, so what did you want to do real quick? Okay, does anybody else have anything? Right. And then I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm waitressing at Applebee's again. You know? No, <laughs> and like, honestly, okay, that's a huge getting, piece of it. I'm getting a side of a side of ranch and a, and a new Coke for you. Does anybody else need anything while I'm in the kitchen? Right. And inevitably, you get back with their meals and they're like, all right, here's your ranch. Here's your Coke. Can I get a refill on coffee? Yes, you can get a refill on coffee. Does anybody else need anything? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think then the next one really is the one that gets, I think, thrown around a lot, but the truth of it is it's it's the hard move. Yeah. It's the decision by the storyteller to skip. Um, and, and you're dictating what, not just skipping, but you're dictating the events that happen during the skip. Yeah. Um, I think this happens a lot with journeys in, in my opinion of where Mm -hmm. like, you know, the, the storyteller doesn't want this, you know, boat journey, cart journey, whatever. Video games do this all the time. You get in the cart, you leave. You arrive at the next place. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. At least nothing exciting happened. Um, and and for that, it is very quick, but it does allow you some time to describe things. Yeah. I said the hard move is a little more... It, it, what you just described is a little more like the skip. Um, uh, the this the hard move is more like you get a cut scene, right? And that's on, what I was kind of cart, getting you know? to is that it it gives the storyteller the ability to say these are the events that transpire between A and B. Right, right. They um, don't get to throw something on, extra on top of it, like oh, I took my own horse or whatever. Or, I'm going to do these things before we go or along the way. Yeah, the important thing is here: you're not asking for player agency. Nope. You're not asking for player input. You're just simply saying, like, and like you said, is this this is a move we we as storytellers do a lot for travel time you know mm-hmm. where you're like okay you guys take your carts it's rainy most of the way um the road is the road is difficult but you get there on time you get there late you're a little bit raggled but there's room at the end so yeah now we begin yeah you, know? you, now we you did this for us in the beginning of our first adventure for your game going between anvil and uh the town in the highlands yeah we literally you you told us that it was rainy and cold and nasty and the trip kind of sucked, but it wasn't horrific. It was mm-hmm. like going through the rainy highlands of of Scotland, yeah. you know. And and it was marshy, but you got there. You're a little, you know, you're not worse for wear, but it's definitely not uncomfortable. But but you're but you're glad to have dry, you know, dry dry ground underneath you exactly. with a tent over your head. You know? Exactly. And so, boom, done. Yep. I gave you a little narration. Didn't ask for your input. Didn't need your input. Mm-mm. It wasn't important. 
because yep. it wasn't an encounter, you right, know? Right, It wasn't plot needing to move forward in any direction. Now, the pros of this, obviously, is that this also goes super quick. Mm-hmm. It does require a little more storytelling on the storyteller's part, um, but, I mean, that's literally the name of your job, so... Right. Congratulations. Um, it doesn't really take much more than a couple sentences, just like we just gave you very solid examples there. Now, the cons of this, obviously, is that um, since the story is actually... A storyteller is dictating actual story beats to the players, mm-hmm. it can sometimes cue that you are looking for input or interaction, because it's... So usually we we give, you know, we set the scene and like this is happening and that's happening and that's happening. And we usually follow that with what what, what do you guys do? Right. You know, and it, there is a, sometimes a bit of a shift at your tables where you'll be saying, OK, you guys are on this travel and this happens, this happens, this happens. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you'll find your players going like, OK, well, I want to do this or I want to do that or, you know, and you're like, well. I really wasn't, you know, kind of asking for your input. Like, we're just going to arrive there. And, right. And we'll handle that when we get to the place, you know. And that can be a little bit of a um, uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, you know, or it, it kind of like get, it knocks your players out of their vibe a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it, disjointed. It can yeah. feel a little disjointed. Yeah, and I, I think the other aspect of that, which often happens at least that I've noticed, is when you do go into, okay, I'm making a hard move, and you give a description of events, sometimes your players are still locked in the previous thoughts, mm-hmm. and they don't notice that scenes changed. So suddenly they're now somewhere else, and they're confused. Even though you've dictated events have changed, you because they're not involved, they're not captured by the moment. Right, right. And suddenly they're like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait, we left? No, no, I had things I needed to do. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, I said I was making a hard move, and we were going to, you know, we are now, and you may not even say hard move, you just be like, you find yourself on, you guys find yourself on the road and make an easy pass, there's no difficulties, you know, you, you make it to the highlands and the sun rises, and suddenly it's a, it's, a, it's a brighter day for all of you as you come into, you know, Lentil City, and they're like, wait, 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 we're, we're in a different city? No, no, I had things to do in the other city. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, and it could even be you... In the next scene, with other things going on, when that person wakes up, the player wakes up, and their character goes, uh, uh, what's, what year is it? You know? <laughs> and it's true, because again, until a player is interacting with it, they're really not necessarily engaged. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our last one is uh, the bookkeeping. Yeah. I, I find that this happens uh, on the other side of things with making... Making the bookkeeping easier by cutting down what's really going on. Yeah, and this is also known as the express shopping. Yes. Um, this is like uh, all pretense of role play is dropped. Um, you're like, everybody kind of just goes out of character. The books, the charts come out. Um, shopping is done by simply saying what you're buying. You mark off your currency. Nobody's in character. You don't have to interact with the shopkeeper, et cetera, yep. et cetera. It's all quick. It's logistical just so you can all just get through it. You can get your sword. You can get your torches. You can get your 50 feet of rope, and we're done. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's not make this a thing. This doesn't have to consume our uh, consume our, our day. Let's get to the dungeon where the fun is. Right, right. Um, I think some of the, at least the pros on it for me, is that it does move very quickly. There are no frills. It gets everything that the characters want done without it becoming a conversational nightmare where some of your players are literally falling asleep while the other ones are trying to negotiate and pine through something. (laughs) Um, But at the same regard, some players live part of their characters' lives in the bookkeeping. Yeah. And it if you're not careful in knowing what your players, what your characters are in that world, you can cut off a lot of their agency of being their character. Yeah, like yeah. if your character is, if the character has haggling or is a merchant person or is good at getting things, what you've done is basically hamstringed their ability to enjoy the game. Yeah, I mean, it'd be no different than hand waving a fight and having a fighter with like nine fighting feats and like a, a crap ton of hit points and a ridiculous amount of shield and stuff. And they wanted to go in and stomp the yard, and you're like, "Yeah, you're a fighter. You take out all these guys. No big deal." Okay, guys, as you're digging through the loot, and you're right? Like, Excuse me, what? Right. <laughs> like, how fun is that for the person who built their entire character to to be the star of the show and and have the limelight when you just hand yeah. wave away the limelight? You know exactly. Um, the other, uh, the other problem that, that, that the, the bookkeeping can have is, um, 
some players do get bogged down in it from a player standpoint, mm-hmm. not a character standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, where they get into the 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 minutia and the micromanaging mm-hmm. of like, oh, hold on a second, in this one source book, I want to get you know there this this one obscure thing, but I'm going to get this variant of it, and you're like. It has been 45 minutes and we are still not in character Mm-mm. and still shopping mm-hmm. because you can't decide between the three or four different items that you wanted. To, can you just give me a list? I'll approve it and we'll yeah. move on. You know? or, or even you get into the I'm making scrolls and this is how I'm doing it to this degree. And now you're like, is any of this legitimate? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. here's my math, and here's what I'm doing, and here. Okay, well, you're you're off on this, and this is not possible. Okay, well, then I've got to rejigger everything because I'm actually going to do this instead with this. If this is all the time I've got, right, right. And so right. now you're doing all this heavy logistic bookkeeping work for like five scrolls that mm-hmm. this person's creating in a very specific amount of time. And straight up, like a lot of this stuff just isn't fun for some people. Um, I'm reminded a lot of like early early days of Critical Role too, like. Um, they used to harangue Travis Willingham about this because mm-hmm. Travis's eyes would just roll right into the back of his head while anybody was doing shopping. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Talison at one point, <laughs> this quote that I still use to this day, is uh, Talison just grinning at him and going, it's going to be a shopping episode, Travis. We are going to buy so many imaginary things. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a joy for certain people in that. And uh, it's about reading your table. It's about understanding when those moments need to happen so that everybody can have fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why, why do you put, you know, gold or currency or new yen or, you know, whatever, exactly. in the, if you're not going to spend it on things, you know, right. occasionally you've got to buy supplies. You might have a special plan you've got in mind and yep. stuff like that. Um, I personally didn't, I don't like keeping track of, of coinage and stuff like that. So I've switched my uh, Savage Worlds game over to the alternate wealth wealth die rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you just make rolls to see, yeah. you know, um, and there's, there's uh, some, you know, some, some rules for how that die roll, die roll comes out to what you can buy with it and how far your spending power goes and stuff like that. But it... it it makes a lot of assumptions about just what cash you have on hand and whatnot. And, um, right, which I think makes a lot of sense. It also makes it very challenging when someone gets into detail. Yeah. But, again, back to the beginning of this is how you, you, you establish whether or not it's something they're interested in. And as time goes on, you adjust it. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, so those are a few ways to, to skip. To not play. <laughs> to not play the, uh, the, the in-between spaces. So what if you are one of those groups or, or even within the group, one of those specific incident, instances where you do want to role play out these in-between spaces? Well, I think you kind of described it earlier where it's it's a matter of as you reach an in-between space, for instance, you're just finishing up in a specific town, mm-hmm. the group knows it has to go to another location, and they make their decision of like, yeah, we're going to go here, and you're like, okay, well, there's no problem, you find a ship that's going to be taking you over there. Now, that being said, let's discuss this. Do you guys just want to go on, you know, take the ship end up over there it's going to be like a week and a half long journey no big deal and you guys show up there you're all able body it's obviously a crew that goes out on the ship all the time and it's not that big of a deal or do you guys want a high sea pirates adventure which might have a couple of encounters and things like that involved in the process Mm -hmm. because they might want to be briefly pirates you know or something on the high seas yeah absolutely because and that's okay that's totally fine that gives you a side adventure that allows it to go out and do things dead honest like and this is this is one of the reasons why i always vibe check my table because um honestly some sometimes their answers will surprise you you know you may just be like oh of course they're they're just going to skip the the whole travel part and get on to the next thing and you're going to have, like, three out of your four players going, like, no, this is great. I want to have a high seas adventure. I want pirates. I mm-hmm. want to get attacked by a kraken. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, we bought Ghost Assault Marsher. You know, we're playing Seventh Sea. Like, why are we not using the, the cool ship-to-ship combat rules? Let's, exactly. you know, uh, in and... You know, I'm a big proponent of, like, listen to your, listen to your players. The, sure. Your players will tell you what they want out of a game. Yeah. And if you can find it in your in your plot, in your theme, in your you know, in the pacing of your of your story, to give them what they want, by all means, like yeah. it's gonna. If your players are telling you what they're going to have more fun with, 
I mean, that's a that's a cheat code right there. I agree, and I and I I would encourage storytellers as you're moving through, especially sandbox adventures. This should be in the forefront of your mind before you finish or think about what the next steps are, so that you can prepare just as much as you are able to pull back. So for mm-hmm. and I say this, and I'm going to explain what I mean by this. If you're saying, if you come up to a point where they're going to be getting on a boat and your first thought is, I'm going to have a three, you know, a, at least a three session adventure for them on this journey and it's going to be great. And your players are exhausted from the last thing they did. And they're just like, you know, and you're like, okay, guys, I can, you know, I got this three adventure story read out ready for you, or we can just make it over to the other side. They might be like, you know what? I really don't want more plot other than getting to this location. Can we just finish this adventure? Yeah. yeah. Like, I just, I want to get this guy and move on. Plot fatigue's a thing. It is. Know? It is. I have seen it. I have had it. I still have it yeah, in, I mean, in things. It's it's kind, kind, kind of happening in your game. It is I think very like much a, happening a in my game. A lot of the feedback you've got, you got from, from, from your last session was essentially your, your character going like, this has been very interesting, but I think we need to wrap it up. Right. Like, it's it's been, it's been enough games where it's, just getting to the point where it's like maybe it's starting to drag you know yep and um, let's move it on and let's move it on no good good news is we are right at the end of the plot essentially yep. but it was like i, I think our, most of our feedback was like so help me if you throw yet another twist into this nope <laughs> no intentions this this has been enjoyable but it is time to finish mm-hmm. and for that very reason like after this one and, and there's no loss here when you guys yeah. decide what you're going to do next i'm going to say like do you just guys want to end up there it's going to be a journey you guys know how you'll basically get there mm-hmm. you know and i know what you would take to get there do we just want to get there to start the next event next portion of the adventure yeah that's how i'm going to handle it versus trying to figure out how i'm going to adventure you guys to the next spot sure that's not always necessary be prepared to just be like no, you guys, and I can easily just to say, do you want some downtime? Mm-hmm. Do you want a downtime session in between just one where literally it is effectively under your control? You yeah, know, I'm yeah, going to yeah. set you guys in a home base type of situation and you can tell me which home base you want. I'll give you an option of three. Sure, sure. Because I feel like that might be a thing after this adventure, especially in my game. And I need to be prepared to either give you guys something tasty to run into or back off completely and just be like, yeah, I'll give you guys something to to have a little bit of RP. Yeah, yeah. I I I feel like especially after after recent events, if you gave Ravana the opportunity to go home, she wouldn't leave again and finish the adventure. <laughs> That's a possibility. I would think I would think long and hard about retiring the character right then and there. <laughs> I mean. I would not put it against you, but I think events would drag you back. I think the group yeah, would drag yeah, you yeah, back. Yeah, I definitely it would be it would be like one of those things of like, uh, all right, but I'll do it. But I'm going to complain about it the whole time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There'd be the, the sigh would last the entire length of the journey. Yep. Yep. So okay. So now we've stepped into let's talk about role play. Yeah, role playing that liminal space. Are, are, I mean, we're talking about role-playing. We're not talking about little, little space. Now we're literally talking about turning it into something. Yeah, it, it kind of becomes an encounter then. Um, you know, it doesn't mean we stop role-playing. Is your our characters' lives? They are things that take place during our lives, even if they're not terribly as exciting as a battle or a chase scene or something like that. Right, you know? but, right. But um, there are definitely times where, you know, we're going to engage with the world. Um, uh, I do a lot of these in my game mm-hmm. um, where you guys are just sitting around the Fighters Guild um, I'll have a couple of my NPCs show up. They might have some insight as to what's going on, you know, allow you guys to kind of talk about things or react to what they're doing. It, again, like I said earlier, it kind of makes the world feel more lived in, you know? Yeah. Um, big fan of Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned this a lot on the uh, the thing. Like, how many times in Deep Space Nine do you see, like, just a scene of two characters having a conversation in Quark's bar? Root beer. Yeah. The root Try beer. this. It's yeah. called root beer. It's terrible. awful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely terrible. It's sweet and sickening. Sweet and cloying, and it gets under your skin. You start to like it after a while, just like the Federation. Yep. <laughs> you know? But that's but that's the thing, is in, in that sense, you as a storyteller get that space as well to bring the feeling, to bring the story. Either exactly. that and also to alter things a little bit, mm-hmm. to to give you the space to change to start to change. So if you're in between acts Having that full role play allows some room to let 
other NPCs evolve around the PCs yeah, yeah. and change the feeling of the story. Maybe it goes from de- despair to a little bit of hope. Sure. To a little bit of wonder, to a little bit of exploration, sure. a little more depth. And, like, one of the other, the other things that, that um, is a really great thing that comes from role-playing your liminal spaces like this is that you do get these sort of, like, character moments where you can build bonds with NPCs. Mm-hmm. And and the reason, I, the reason I bring that up as a very important point is because, dramatically speaking, mm-hmm. okay, narratively speaking, how many times have we watched a TV show or a movie or something like that where... Um, they put a character in front of you and they're like, this is Bob. And then they kill Bob and they're like, isn't it awful what happened to Bob? And you're like, I don't know. I just, I just met him like three minutes ago. I don't know him. I don't have any emotional bond to him. I don't really care about him. Now, if you had spent the last 45 minutes with Bob and gotten to know his life, his loves, his fears, his motivations, um, you know, the, the that investment. Past, past traumas and stuff like that, you get to know Bob, you start caring about Bob mm-hmm. as a person, and then the plot kills him off, and then you're like, no, Bob, he was my friend! Yeah. Now you care. It's the same outcome. You know, we still killed Bob in exactly the same way, but one of them you're shedding tears over, and the other one you're like, okay, well, because Bob's dead. Yeah. There's a a great um, short that a guy described called uh, The Milk Run Bunny. Mm -hmm. And the whole adventure starts, the whole campaign starts out with the adventurers taking this bunny to a, a young princess. Basically, it was a it was a toy that needed it was crafted. It need, it was in a special box. They didn't know what they were delivering, but it had to get to the prince so that he could get it to the princess in the courtyard. And there was all kinds of like minor things that happened. But the milk run ends with them getting this box with this bunny, and they see the little princess princess get her bunny, and they're very happy about it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the third of the first act, there's a tragic situation that happens basically the big big bad guy has dragon come in do a bunch of damage and the players are left in a liminal scene where they're sifting through the rubble to find their own things Mm -hmm. and as they're leaving they don't know because they've lost direction they don't even they're, they're basically just following a direction because they can't see the sun the clouds have blocked everything out so they're just trying to make their way out of the city and they realize that they're not making it through the front gates but they're making it through the rubble of the castle oh wow okay and they find the bunny. Uh, yeah. But they know that that people were taken from the castle, and so they assume that she was taken. And they literally said, she's getting her bunny back. Mm-hmm. And they carried it till the end of the campaign. Yeah. Because that bunny suddenly had meaning from the first milk run through. Yeah. And that's investment. That's what we talked about during the investment yeah. episode. And that this those liminal moments that you have can really change the feel of a game because it allows your players to explore their feelings about the story and the people within it yep. that, they've in, that they've made connections with. Yep, absolutely. Be prepared that if you role play, things like this will take forever. Sure. Especially if you decide to do lim- liminal space for a specific character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, this is where I kind of say it's not liminal anymore, and that's where things can shift. So if... If you've got, let's say, a player while you're, you know, maybe you're doing a bookkeeping where people are shopping and stuff, and one of your players' bookkeeping things that they want to do is like, hey, I want to go make a deal with the uh, with the Thieves Guild. I'm going to run a few contracts for them to get in their, their good graces. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, are you – you're looking to do skill checks? Yeah, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff with that. All right, pause. How about next session I open with that? Mm-hmm. Bring somebody with you. That's my thing. Is you figure it out with the group who you yeah. want to bring, but we're going to make this a scene. That is not a liminal space role play. That's one person showboating and the rest of the table sitting there with their thumbs up their butt waiting for 45 minutes to an hour. Right, 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 and that's, right, right, right. that's not fair to the table, but it's fair for that player, and that's the key. Is, yeah. Is making allowing those players to bloom in the light, but everybody knows that's what's about to happen. Sure, sure. You know, I, I think that's that's probably the, the, the two big complications with role-playing out your, your, your in-between spaces, your downtimes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because you've got... Um, there's there's like you were mentioning the uh when does when does a downtime role play become an encounter, become right. a social encounter, yeah. you know, yeah. or otherwise become an encounter, you know. 
Uh, but the other the other thing is is that even if you never move into that uh, into that that thing of like okay I'm actually doing things that move a plot right um, you still can end up with like the two characters that want to discuss their favorite flavors of ale for forty five minutes yeah while everybody else sits at the table going like okay this is great but we only play once a month can we not spend you know. 20% of our game session BSing about stuff that doesn't matter and doesn't move the story forward, you know? Right, right. Um, like, there do is we a, really there is need a limit that to dump? Do yeah. We, do we need that character dump? Especially, like, if it's at the end or the beginning of a game where you're you're maybe getting to know people, that may not be too bad. Everybody mm-hmm. can get to know each other. But, like, in the middle of the game where you're literally just BSing with a bunch of NPCs and, like, plot isn't necessary, you're not getting special lore, like, nothing's coming out of this, it, it gets monotonous. Yeah. So it's hard to figure out when that's happening, though. Uh, One thing we have had good luck with Mm -hmm. um, in our collective switch to Savage Worlds is the interlude. Yeah. And I don't I I wanted to bring this one up because I I know not everybody here is playing Savage Worlds, um, but I, I think it's it's a kind of mechanic. And even if you don't go mechanically, it's at least a storytelling practice that is mm-hmm. easy enough to kind of transplant into other games and stuff. I completely like that. agree. Um, and so it's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up here. Um, so I, I will mention that the rules are from Savage Worlds, but you don't have to be playing Savage Worlds to use this this particular thing as the interlude here. Um, so what, a, what an interlude is in Savage Worlds um, is essentially you give the story to or the, uh, the, the the players. Pardon me. Um, an opportunity to do a little storytelling themselves. Uh, now there are a there's a chart essentially. Yeah, to there's a mechanic of, set. There's there's a there's a prompt um, essentially, and you're supposed to like draw playing cards. Um, and the 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 suit and the uh, value of that card kind of dictates what the topic they should talk about is. But, of course, you don't have to use those. Um, I've oftentimes written prompts for my players directly that pertain directly to what their characters are doing, what their characters are personally interested in, things like that in within the, the span of my story. Um, and you can just give those to them and say, like, okay, um, tell me a little bit about what your character is thinking about this situation or how they feel about the introduction of this particular character or something like that. Um the idea is to allow these players to do a little storytelling on their own, a little plot exposition, and it can be in character. Um, it could be out of character. You can do these as like stories that your 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 PCs are telling each other around the campfire as they're camping, you know, mid travel to their to their dungeon or whatever. Um, or you can do them as just uh, you know. Uh, solo scenes of like you know meanwhile in lord thalian's apartment right you know right. when no one's no one's technically looking but he gets to tell a story about what is happening there that at least if not the characters the other players at the table get a glimpse into sorry, thalian's character sorry about that what's going on sorry my door just popped and it activated my phone, so we had uh, somebody at my door. Sorry, I apologize that I had to send somebody up there. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, I think the the one that I always run into as an issue is that uh, you get analysis paralysis. People don't know what they can do, which is a question we always get in D anD D with new players. Is like, I, I don't know what I can do, mm-hmm. and so. With these kind of things, where it's set, when it's given it to them as an option to enter into roleplay as a as an option, like you can sure, do this. Sure, it's a choice. They lock up and go quiet. Um. And, uh, oh wait, me. Hold on a second. Another problem. Uh, so anyways, yeah, they, 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 they can lock up, they can kind of go yeah. quiet. Um, I apologize, I, I had a whole bunch of chaos going there, but they can lock up, they can go quiet, because there's nothing in it. But Interlude, specifically in Savage World, kind of presents some options there. Yeah, yeah. For them to be able to get into. Uh, no, there's some options, but like I said, you can kind of write your own prompts that are directly something that that character cares about, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um, I think my, my last set of Interludes, I didn't... You know, roll out of the book. It was it was something I wrote specific prompts for every single character at the table. Yeah, when I did it um, on the D and D side, I stole the the idea and brought it in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I kind of gave you guys a past, present, and future option. Yes. Of being yes. able to explain out a situation so that anyone could kind of like, okay, well, how do you, you know, here's the here's the challenge. Explain this either through past, present, or future. And kind of left it open-ended to let your characters explore things and, and express themselves in a different way. Mm -hmm. Or express their feelings about a situation. Uh, now the other the other component too of uh, of doing interludes is that uh, there is a essentially a reward mm -hmm. for for doing so. They are optional. So if you do have somebody, as I, I I know I've got a couple socially anxious people at my table who don't necessarily like having the limelight shine directly on them. Yeah. If they're having one of those days where they don't feel that they're particularly up to it, you can absolutely decline an interlude. Like nobody nobody's forcing you to you know all eyes are on you. Come up with story. Entertain us. You know. But at the same time, though, um, if you do, uh, in Savage Worlds, we give a Benny for it, mm -hmm. um, which, again, is a, a easily translatable, even like if you're playing 5th edition, give an Inspiration. Yeah. Um, if you're playing, you know, 7th C, give a, give Drama a Drama Die, die you know? You know. Um, something like that. If you've got some sort of a, a currency, you know, uh, Shadowrun has edge points, you yeah. know, things like that. Give something like that out, just just a little a little token for having contributed directly to the well-being of the story yeah it, there's a reason why we call it tabletop role play and not just tabletop gaming yeah that's the difference exactly um and i think this is great because a lot of a lot of players do like to have some narrative control yeah i think i think most players sit down at the table and want to tell a story about their character they want their character to be a dramatis personae who has things going on and looks cool in their own light, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so when you when you sit down and hand the hand the reins directly to that player and go like, tell me something awesome about your character, you know. Here, I'll give you a prompt. How does your character feel about this? Oh, they're really angry. Really? Why are they angry? Just describe that. Get into some detail. Oh, well, they're, you know, they're going to blah, 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 and, you know. They as they're as they're thinking about this, they're gripping their sword, and you know, as he as he gets to the you know thinking about the part of what you know what the what the villain did to him, he drives his sword into the wall. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, wow, you know. And then later on, you know, you're you're somebody goes to that character's room, and you're like, yeah, and you see like the wood is splintered on the wall where mm -hmm. there's you know an obvious sword hole, <laughs> yep. sword shape hole in the, in the wall. And they're like, Oh, did you have a problem over there? No, nothing you need to concern yourself with. Okay. You yeah. Know? But the, the player knows the but character can ask the questions exactly. and that's the fun part. And everybody kind of knows, everybody kind of knows at the table, you mm -hmm. know, and there's, there's a, there's a little bit of extra detail now added to that room. And it's nice. Everybody, everybody kind of likes to have those moments where, where their, their character has, has an impact, has an insight, is the, is the main character of the story for just a moment, you know. And, and I think that kind of leads me to the next one, because there are systems that have mechanics, like uh, the One Ring has travel mechanics, which are good. And we went over that in it, in the way that it handles fatigue and characters using up their abilities and moving through things based upon the distance. I think it's really good. I think it's a good way to handle that liminal space. But we both kind of leaned into this a little bit, this idea that, there are character classes like in D and D specifically that help that have skills and abilities to do and handle that liminal space. Yeah, whether exactly. it's hunting, whether it's survival, whether it's you know whether it's uh, knowing the city and the people within mm -hmm. it, whether mm -hmm. it's bargaining with with you know merchants and uh, things like that to get better deals and stuff. So that's where it comes back to like hand waving things is one thing, but being able to actually give them space to be able to be their character in the class in the in the mechanical sense and shine you you have to make sure that you're not taking that away from them as much as a fighter as much as the mage if you've got a lore master who's going into a library and you're like yeah we're going to do the research i need you to do a research role i need you you can assist yeah yeah okay okay yeah. Uh, you guys figure out this data no, like you just stole from that person's whole character. Yeah, exactly. A large part of of filling these liminal spaces, especially like travel with like rangers and druids in your in your group or whatever, um, is just about being a fan of your players. Mm -hmm. You know, being a fan of the characters at your ta at your table, and allowing everybody to do the thing that their character is good at and be the star of the story when when within their own bailiwick. Yeah, like you gave the example earlier of like, what if we glossed over a fight yeah and just said okay you guys kick everybody's asses here's the loot table you know yeah. 
and the fighter with nine, you know, nine fighting edges and, you know, and then the heavy armor and the plus one greatsword is going, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You know, and it's the same way with like your druids and your rangers where, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I, it's one of the biggest criticisms I've heard. And maybe they're addressing this in one D and I haven't, I, to be fair, I have not looked a lot into D and D one or one D and D or whatever. Does the one go first or after? I cannot remember. Don't look at me. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I I haven't I haven't looked into into the the rules update for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, the, the um, extended errata at this point of of not errata they have a term for it, but uh, but uh, so I I don't know if they've addressed this or not. But one of the major criticisms I've heard is that um, Rangers' special abilities allow you to bypass a lot of the complications. Ergo, having one in your party means that you don't have those encounters. Right. You know, um, and I I don't necessarily think that that's like as big of a detriment as you think it is you know like okay i I suppose a a novice storyteller would be like oh yeah you just don't have these encounters because you've got a ranger congratulations you arrive safe and sound yeah but like i think there's a moment there where you take some time to narrate you know even if it's just one of those like hard move skips you know where Mm -hmm. you're just like i'm gonna dictate to, to you how it went but you know, shine the spotlight a little bit on the ranger in the group, and just be like, "Yeah, uh, X, Y, and Z complications come up along the way, but because your ranger, you know, is 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 doing his job, it kind of gets handled like this. It kind of gets handled like that. Or even give them the reins to say how it gets handled. We always Precisely talk about precisely where of, I was going to go with that. Yeah, yes. at the end of a combat round with a fighter, when the, the thing's about to die, you're like, "How do you finish him?" Right. How does it end? Describe you, to me its grisly end. How do you want to do this? Yeah. You know, do you want to end him in a grisly way, or do you just want to knock him out and tie him up? Mm-hmm. Like that's your choice. At this point, it's the combat is over. Yeah. You tell me how it ends. Do the same thing with your ranger, or your druid. Yeah. Uh, you you would have come up with uh you know uh, uh, an encounter with goblins, but uh, your ranger allows you to bypass it. Ranger, how do we bypass it? Yeah. You know. Um. And yeah, give them the moment because. Oh man, your players will surprise you sometimes with some of the brilliant stuff they come up with. Um, I did this my last game where uh, our quote-unquote big dumb fighter um, was on security detail. Uh, he got himself hired as a bodyguard to a noble that was that was at this party, and that's yep. how he got himself into the party, yep. right? Yep. And at one point, he botched a roll. Uh, and made, I so was like, okay, describe to me your big social faux pas. How do you screw up? And he's like, oh, it's real simple. I, uh, I went to go get my, uh, um, the, the noble I'm working for a drink and I get one for myself. <laughs> and yeah. That, that was it. That was the social faux pas of like, yeah, he's just, he's just drinking on the job. Oh. Oh no, I'm not supposed to do that, am I? No. Nope. <laughs> and he like spits the drink back out into the glass. Puts it, puts it back, puts it on, back on, on the tray. <laughs> and we had such a great laugh about this. But like, had I not asked him, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. I, it was so subtle, but it was so effective, and it and it really was as big of a social faux pas as you know would have been botching the role. Um, and it was it's just brilliant. And I'm so glad that I asked him because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have come up with that answer. No, no, and and that's the thing that can give you, and it tells you a lot about the character. Yeah. It gives them that moment, and it p- gives you something for later on you can make a note about. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you can have someone run into that fighter later in another liminal space and be like, oh, that's right, you were the gentleman, you were the hulking gentleman who didn't know how to keep his drink, you know, even at, at a party. I do remember that. You were quite amusing. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. And it also keeps your players engaged because if they know that they're going to get asked, like, what is their, you know, what is their reaction to certain thing? How do, how do they accomplish a certain goal? You know, mm-hmm. what does this die roll look like when right. it hits the table? Mm-hmm. You know, not only are you keeping them engaged, but like they're thinking about their character's place in the game, yeah, in the game world, in the story and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. and it, it again keeps them engaged. Mm-hmm. So doesn't take agency. Keeps them engaged. There's your two connection points. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, and the last thing I think I want to bring up, too, is, like, downtime mechanics. Yeah. Um, downtime mechanics, I think we, we had another episode where we did talk about these in depth, so I'm kind of kind of gloss over them. But, like, downtime is literally when you're between adventures, right? Yeah. You're just not doing anything mm-hmm. for whether it's a week, whether it's a couple of days, whether it might be a couple months or a year, you know? Um, your characters might not be out there doing their thing all the time, and then you're going to have downtime. 
Um, I know a lot of games have downtime mechanics. Yes, without um, a doubt. So this isn't even something I'm like. My suggestion simply is look up your downtime mechanics for your game system. Yeah. Um, uh, Savage Worlds has them as a swag product. Uh, it's a Savage Worlds Adventure Guild, I think mm-hmm. it is. Um, uh, which are basically fan-made yeah. add-ons for the yeah. rules. Um, and I do know that there are um, downtime rules in the upcoming Fantasy Companion. Yes. Uh, and, and there are D&D downtime rules in the DM's Guide. There's a couple also in, um, I think Natasha's has additional one. And oh, okay, yeah. There's, a, I can't remember the other book that has a few other downtime mechanics. Um, the one thing that I'm going to encourage first-time storytellers who are listening to this to, to understand is... When we're talking about downtime, we may we are not talking about time between your sessions. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or even even if it is an extended time. For instance, if the group is traveling from one location to another during a plot, I am heavily going to suggest that you do not classify that as downtime. No, because that's travel time. Travel time Correct. isn't downtime. Yeah, if it's bet- it, you are done with this plot. Right. These players have literally nothing to do. Mm-hmm. You as the storyteller are are going to advance them or whatever. That is downtime because they want to continue on to a new plot. As an example, in my game, mm-hmm. after you guys got back from Skingrad and doing the whole vampire thing over yep. there, there was a month and a half mm-hmm. break just yep. in the story of like, yep. okay, it's fall now. Right. You know, um, and I was like, okay, what do you guys do during that time? And so we made some downtime roles. We mm-hmm. did a little bit of role play to kind of explain what those downtime roles were. But, like, it was very mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, you know, a couple people got a couple bonuses because they were working on themselves mm-hmm. and picked up a new edge. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of explained how those all things happen. And that's that was it. Yeah. That was I, the whole thing. I remember in Mouse Guard, we had the winter. Mm-hmm. The winter is the downtime. It is when people hunker down because you're a mouse and four inches of snow really is a lot. Yeah, four inches of snow is what happened in Buffalo. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it is four full mice height. That is a lot of snow. Yep. And so an inch is still too much. Yeah. So you just hunker down and, and you live and figure out, you know, how you're going to make it through the winter and do your things in the winter. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that is a time between plots, between stories. Yep. And yep. so don't, when your players ask how much downtime they have between sessions, the answer is zero. Unless you're done with a plot, don't yeah. do not give your players that flexibility to craft up a bunch of crap and become a super warrior between like level three and level you know four in the middle of your plot. Yeah, yep. that just, just stay away from that. I I'm gonna encourage that. Don't worry about it. Set it to the side. Let your players whine a little bit if they feel that they're not getting all their cool bennies. Mm-hmm. Tell them to play the freaking game. <laughs> <laughs> So he sounds like you're speaking from experience. Yeah, I may have had some history there. So, hey, I have a microphone and they don't. These are my topics. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) We did have some questions from today, um, but I think we we got both of these. Nevam asked, uh, "Did we? uh, Do you have any? Do you have to play all the downtime between adventures?" Flat out, the answer is no. No, you you do not. Absolutely, and probably should skip. Yeah, a bunch of it. It's just meaningless filler space. Yeah, and in all honesty downtime if it's honest to goodness downtime don't role play it yeah bookkeep it and skip it bookkeep it and move on make sure that the role playing stays during the game Mm -hmm. during the session during during the storytelling phase of the story not the downtime yep if it's if it's role playing it's either going to be an interlude that's happening during a short rest or, or or some kind of intermission between the games or it's a scene and it's important yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. And don't be afraid to to pass some of this off to your players. If you have creative and engaged players at your table, sure. Um, or even to encourage them to be creative and mm-hmm. engaged. You know, uh, if they if they tell you something like you know, oh yeah, I want to look into this. Like, don't be afraid to be like, okay, cool. Uh, tell me what you come up with. You know, tell me what you're looking for. Tell me how that how that comes out. You know, ask for a role and then ask them to explain what that role looks like, what that level of success looks like. Um. And it offloads a lot of the, uh, a lot of the the creativity that you may need to spend coming up with this stuff onto them. They yep. get some input into the story, and you don't have to do the work. Exactly. Um, so John S., one of our uh, one of our new uh, yep. uh, Discord members, welcome, asks, John. 
Um, how do you keep liminal spaces interesting or engaging without sacrificing their brevity? Um, engagement, I think, is the key word there. Yeah. Um, the yeah. best thing that you can do is make sure you engage as much as you can with mm-hmm. the players during those. If it's um, if it is meant to be interesting, uh, it may be interesting to you as the storyteller. Mm-hmm. But that may not be interesting to the players because they're not doing anything. But the moment that they're engaged with it, that it matters to them, that is when things will change. That is when they will they will lean forward to the table and start taking notice. Sure, sure. And I I think a lot of it, a a lot of the whole like keeping it engaging without sacrificing the brevity is vibe checking your table. One hundred percent. Um, just just seeing who's engaged with it at the table. Mm -hmm. Um. Just seeing, you know, what the interest level on on various faces across the table is. Are your characters leaning in? Are they making eye contact? Do they seem to be listening? Or are, you know, five out of the six of them pulling out their phones? Right. You know, um, that right there tells me how engaging it is for the table. Should I pour more energy into this? Is the table enjoying it? Or do I skip through it as quick as possible to get my player's attention back? Right, right. And... Again, make sure you have their attention, their attention when the scene changes. Mm-hmm. That is always the most important thing because the last thing that you want as a storyteller is to feel like they don't know what's going on. Yeah, and because then re-explaining it is even worse. And sometimes, like we, you know, like we said earlier, like the vibe at the table is don't sacrifice the brevity. No, you know, um, uh, you don't necessarily need to make your liminal spaces brief if everybody's enjoying it and everybody wants to engage with it. Yep, yep, just. Let them let let always make it aware of whether or not that is a sacrifice that the group is making. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, we're interested in this, and so this was fun. But let's not make this an every time thing. Oh, sure, you got it. I always think back to my Battle of the Bands um episode. Yeah. No, that was great. You know, we had a uh, it was a like a a four or five day journey to the next city down the mm-hmm. down the Gold Road, and the the Gold Road in uh, uh in 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 my game setting is uh, uh in is a very well-traveled highway. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to have random encounters. There are guards at regular intervals well, that walk the walk the gold road and stuff like that. You're really not going to run into, like, bandits. No, yeah. You know, things like that. Nothing harmful, truly. Yeah, it's like being on the freeway. Like, you're not, you know, you might see the occasional wildlife, but, like, you know, bandits and, like, wolves aren't going to attack you on the gold road. No. The wildlife around there knows it's a, it's a person path. Stay away from it, you know? Right, but you can have encounters or scenes sure sure and we had like there's there's a roadside inn Mm -hmm. essentially you guys decided to stop instead of camp for the night you stopped at the roadside inn they were having a little battle of the bards Mm -hmm. going on you had a bard in your group Mm -hmm. um and great fun was had that adventure and that's all it was it was a whole it was a travel adventure and everybody was involved that was the key we were all group engaged the literally the whole episode was liminal space yep it was a travel episode you know yep You can do those occasionally. Yep. I wouldn't say make a habit of them, but you can do those occasionally. So, like, without making it brief is sometimes the thing you sacrifice, not the engagement. Mm Mm-hmm. So. All right. All right. I think uh, we have... uh, Belabored the topic. Not belabored. No, we nailed it. We (laughs) We nailed it. We did. But to keep it brief, (laughs) um, we have our continuing series of uh, Second Wednesdays, which is going to continue with System Spotlights. Again, we got a lot of good feedback on this from various people and we are going to continue it because it's good for us Absolutely. we love it so. Absolutely. uh so next uh next week we're going to be talking about uh urban shadows which is a powered by the apocalypse setting yeah we um, brought it up a number of times but we've never actually dug into it yeah so yeah. it's the urban it's the, the contemporary urban fantasy genre which mm-hmm. is just something i absolutely adore um, yeah so uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, uh, another part by the Apocalypse Systems, which, believe it or not, for for their frequency of of you know appearance in the uh, the modern gaming landscape, it's surprising we don't talk about more uh, part by the Apocalypse games. Yeah. Um, but here we're getting back to our roots. And... Yeah. No. I and and it's a system that I I hold in my heart as something that I I want to run more mm-hmm. uh, and want to be more involved with. Um, and I. I had the brief thought of not going Savage Seas, but going Powered Seas. Oh. And having, like, t- character class types instead. And I was like, that actually might work even better. Powered by the Seventh Apocalypse. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you know, or or, or, or uh, Salty Seas or something like that. I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, I, I like the concept of it. I think uh, it's a different way of looking at it. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, it's going to be nice going back and reopening uh, the mechanics and the rules and some of the storytelling that's in there. Cause I, I think it's wonderful. I really, really do. And Nothing says more fun than getting away from fantasy and stepping back into fantasy, fantasy. contemporary <laughs> fantasy, fantasy, but with cars and guns and skyscrapers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good time, and uh, I, I hope all of you will enjoy this with us. So, Alrighty, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night and 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. Drop some uh, some questions up there. Um, talk with the other great storytellers. Bounce story ideas off of them. Yeah, happens um, every day. Always, always great, great discussion going on there. You can find the link to our Discord on our Twitter, as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon members who support us every month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subject, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You would have heard it this morning, but or earlier, but uh, unfortunately the mechanics are down. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcane anthems or on Instagram. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much Thank for you. loving and supporting us. All of our friends who sat with us at our tables over these years to give us these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.